Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From our socially distanced virtual lunch table in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal, editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Say what you want about Louisiana, but we're blessed here with a lot of lush greenery, natural wildlife, and a temperate climate that allows for outdoor recreation. We also have a beautiful environment that we tend to take for granted and as a result have one of the worst environmental records in the state and a host of regulations to deal with it. But all of that's created a lot of business opportunities for local entrepreneurs. Joining me to discuss this today is Diane Baum, owner of Baum Environmental Group, a full-service consulting firm that specializes in helping commercial and governmental clients secure environmental permits, dealing with things like stormwater runoff, while also providing the services to make sure those clients stay in compliance. Baum does the planning and paperwork kind of stuff, but it also helps its clients with the technical work like silt fencing or hydroseeding. The company also helps its clients determine their environmental risk and helps commercial and residential customers design more eco-friendly buildings and homes. Diane is a biologist who founded the firm in 1995 after leaving the Louisiana Department of Environmental Quality. Her vision at the time was to create a firm that would help small businesses navigate the maze of environmental compliance regulations affordably. And in the years since, she seems to have accomplished that goal. Diane, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for joining me today on Out to Lunch. Oh, thank you. Joining me and Diane on Zoom today is Scott Ricca, owner of Clegg's Nursery, a locally owned garden center that has been something of an institution in Baton Rouge since its founding in 1955 by Sam Clegg. Over the years, the business grew, and in the 1980s, Sam Clegg sold it to his son, Marshall Clegg, who in 1999 sold it to two of its longtime managers, Tom Fennell and our guest today, Scott. In the more than 20 years since, Scott and Tom have continued to grow the business, which now has four locations. They also have a wholesale growing operation, a 40,000-square-foot greenhouse that cultivates all the plants and flowers that they sell at their four locations. Scott is a native of Baton Rouge who got his degree in forestry and wildlife management at Louisiana Tech before returning to Baton Rouge and joining Clegg in the 1980s. Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. Y'all have such a wonderful store that everybody loves, and especially over the past year, we've all been spending a lot of time in our garden. So I bet you're gearing up for another very busy season. We are, Stephanie. Thanks for having me today. (laughs) Well, we have lots of things to talk about today. Diane, I'm going to go back and start with you, though. I mean, because your business is so multifaceted, and, and when we talk about environmental services, everybody's like, oh, cool, environmental services company. But like, Really, what does that mean? And and just reading up on y'all covers a lot of different a lot of different services. Well, yes, the environmental service industry is very broad and vast. And just like with engineering, environmental services they each have their own little niche. So 
when you hire an environmental consultant, if you need wetlands, you'll hire an environmental consultant for wetlands and that's all they do. And then you'll hire, for me, I generally do wastewater, which is sewer wastewater and stormwater, but we don't necessarily do air. And so if you need an air permit, you'll hire an environmental consultant for that. It's sort of similar to all, a lot of the professionals, whether it be an attorney or an engineer, they all develop a niche and then they develop a, um, a profession around that niche. And that's all they do. And so if I, if, you know, someone came to me and said, I need an air permit, I'd have to refer them to another environmental consultant. So um, unfortunately, I guess for the general public, you don't have a multimedia profession. I mean, if you need a, um, an attorney, you go to a family attorney, you don't go to a criminal attorney. So it's, it's sort of like that, you know, but that's what we do. We generally do stormwater and wastewater. We do sewer plants, anything that has to deal with wastewater issues. Uh, that's where I developed my uh, profession. Get helping the clients, you know, get the permits that they need so that they, and then to stay in compliance. Correct. And when I worked at DEQ, um, I worked at DEQ uh, years ago, back in uh, 1995. Uh, and at that time, uh, you know, a lot of small businesses were starting to be impacted. It wasn't just your Dow's and your Exxon's, but now your small mom and pops were being impacted by environmental regulations, uh, sewer permits, uh, stormwater permits. So that's when I decided I was going to move out and form my own business and figured that I could help small businesses uh, with environmental permitting and compliance at a much lower cost threshold, you know, because it, it does get very confusing. I mean, it's a maze, you know, of uh, regulations and uh, compliance issues. Well, very interesting. Okay. So I'm going to want to come back to you to um, find out a little more about how you all are able to, to do this affordably. Um, but Scott, I want to bring you into the conversation because as I mentioned, you know, Clegg's is such a, such a local institution and y'all have locations throughout the market. Um, is, you've always been with this company. Is this what you aspired to do when you were growing up? <laughs> well, um, I developed a love of plants uh, watching my neighbor do his gardening and um, thought I wanted to go more into the uh, woodland area. But when I got out, there was not many jobs and just happened to have luckily landed in a spot, kind of like a seed falling in the right spot that sprouts and flourishes. And that's how I came to be at Clegg's. Wow. And, and, and you, you know, you worked under the original Mr. Clegg and then you worked under his son, Marshall. That's, that's correct. Well, Marshall had just purchased the uh, store recently uh, from his father, Sam, and his mother, Effie. And they had the one location at the Donmore uh, store, which was actually the second location. It's the oldest of the current locations. They started out initially on Florida Boulevard on a vacant lot uh, at 4411 uh, Ford Boulevard, not far from Foster. And um, then once Marshall purchased uh, the stores from his parents, he developed the Segan Lane location and the Greenville Springs location. And then when Tom and I purchased the stores in 99, in 2000, we purchased the property in Denham Springs and developed that location. And then in the early 2000s, we started what we call Color Division, which is actually adjacent to the Greenville Springs location. And we have uh, two large greenhouses with concrete floors, each of about a half an acre apiece. And then we have some other open bed areas and some other uh, enclosed areas without the concrete, but uh, we grow a wide variety of materials there. The first um, greenhouse we have in the last few years started opening it up just after Thanksgiving. We have an open house 
we grow about 10,000 poinsettias is quite a sight to see when they all come into color at once. And we've been, you know, started inviting people in to look at that at that time. So other than that, color limits, color division has kind of been off limits, but now it's people get in to see how beautiful it is. So do you all grow just about everything that you sell yourselves? Oh, no, no, no. We just, we go through so much uh, volume that it's impossible to grow everything because it takes time to grow those things. And we sell it too much, uh, much more quickly than what we can produce it. But we grow uh, unique items and um, we grow herb pots. We grow different geraniums and different hanging baskets of different varieties that we would not be able to acquire from other people. So it helps us uh, broaden our range of things to present to you, our customers. And and, and where um, where do you get your the stuff that you don't grow from? I mean, your suppliers are all over the country. Are they mostly regional? Uh, if it's small, if it's small flowers, uh, we buy those mostly close at hand, uh, maybe Plaquemine, Bell Chase uh, areas, um, woody ornamentals, maybe some from uh, um, southeastern Texas, a lot through central Louisiana and some over towards the Folsom area in Louisiana. So, uh, but we we pull things from a lot of different areas, but we try to pull as local as possible for everything. That's great. Diane, are, are most of your clients local? Uh, well, actually, yeah, they're all through. Well, they're throughout the Southeast because we can do environmental permitting. It's not since we do consulting, we can actually consult for clients in Mississippi or Texas or Arkansas. So but the bulk of our clients are in Southern Louisiana. And in terms of the permitting, then are you you have to be up to speed on on like EPA regulations or as well as the individual state regulations like DEQ, say, in Louisiana? Yes, you have to be up on the federal because the federal, they actually prescribe the initial regulations and then the state will adopt the federal regulations to uh, enforce. So EPA has delegated DEQ to enforce the regulations that they prescribed. And then once DEQ gets it, then actually you have another level where the municipalities, such as the city of Baton Rouge, would implement those regulations to the, the people in the parish. Now, would somebody like Clegg's have to get some sort of a permit, you know, for its growing facility, if you're dealing with fertilizers or anything that might, you know, or even anything you built? Or, I mean, is it small businesses like that, or is it more like a construction company or somebody? I mean, it's possible. I mean, I, I haven't, you know, looked at his business per se, but... Uh, just hypothetically say uh, a business did have some stormwater discharge where they were watering a lot of uh, plants or something like that and fertilizers and a lot of products were going into the storm drain, then he would have to permit it. Um, there's some uh, exemptions for agricultural and I think he may be under that exemption for civiculture and um, you know nursery may be under that envelope. Uh, the agricultural industry does get exemptions for their field crops and things like that. So he may be under that umbrella, but Typically, if you wash down anything into a storm drain, you're supposed to uh, test it. Shoot. I mean, do you consider yourself more like, I mean, are you an environmentalist or are you a business consultant that helps businesses deal with environmental rules? I guess uh, a business consultant that loves the environment, that wants to help people with environmental rules. So I kind of uh, uh, I hover between both. You know, I want to see the environment to be clean for all of us and future generations, but I also am pragmatic where businesses, they, I mean, they need to operate and we need to do that in a practical manner, not something that's so onerous that prohibits people from opening business because of regulation. 
It's an interesting point. Scott, when we talk about the environment, you know, one of the big issues, of course, is, is climate change. Um, how has that impacted your business, your industry, and the availability of the of the plants and woody ornamentals and, and flowers that you all sell and grow? Um, I don't know that it affects us much day to day. Uh, a large bulk of our um, customers are just homeowners. Um, so that's not so much. Maybe the awareness of the homeowner to plant trees or something of that type uh, helps us along. Um, we do on occasion have uh, larger groups. I mean, even Breck does a great job of planting trees and, and they, they are a customer of, of Clegg's and, and other nurseries in town. So they come in and buy trees. So I guess in the, in the broader range, they, we are affected by it, but maybe just a small slice of the pie. Well, that's good to know. I mean, but, but the, the same kind of, you know, inventory that was available 30 years ago um, when you first got into the business is still, is still around? Um, actually, the availability is much greater. When I first got into the business, um, much of the material was grown uh, in ground and had to be hand dug uh, as far as trees. Uh, now they containerize material. Um, they're growing above ground with uh, drip irrigation and not worried so much about Mother Nature watering. The fertilization is done. It's more controlled fertilization in the pot, so you're lessening the amount of wash off uh, into the environment. And they can grow, and, and in a container, they can grow the plants much more quickly. And so the turnover is, um, is greater, uh, greater availability to, to all of us. But I can remember when I started at the nursery, there was a device up at the front of the store. It was a can cutter because they used to sometimes put plants in the, the, the large food cans. They didn't have plastic pots. It hadn't been developed yet. So a customer would buy some of these cans you cut the can so when the customer got home, they could get it out easily. So now it's plastics and uh, the turnover, you know, it just allows them to grow so much more quickly, more efficiently. Wow, that's fantastic. And, and who are most of your clients? Are they individual customers or is it larger commercial contracts? Uh, we have both. Uh, we have some uh, large landscape companies that deal um, with us for a large amount of their material. Um, there are many landscape companies that go that bypass us and maybe go direct to someplace else to purchase their material. A large base of what we have is just homeowners coming in and, and small landscape companies throughout Baton Rouge that might do cleanup and then replanting. So I, we, we carry we go through the whole gambit from a lady that wants to buy you know two tomato plants to somebody that wants to buy 15 trees and put on the property. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Scott Ricca of Clegg's Nursery and Diane Baum of Baum Environmental. Diane, who are most of your clients? Are they mostly businesses? Do you all have many residential clients that want some advice on a more eco-friendly house, for instance? Uh, well, we do do a green home consulting, so we do have that. But in a sense, with that, a lot of people don't know that, so that usually comes through the builder. So we usually work through the builder to the client um, and he's the conduit to that. But um, of course we can always have people who will contact us from time to time, but we do certify homes to be green. So that's another segment of our business, which sort of overlaps this just as to our diversification where we could go. We often do a lot of uh, multi multifamily 
uh, reviews for Energy Star because the federal government requires if you build a multifamily apartment complex through Louisiana housing, that it has to be reviewed to be insulated correctly and so on. So we do energy reviews on multifamily. But uh, in general, we have uh, residential builders, uh, which I was last year the chair of the Home Builders Association. So we are very active in the Home Builders Association and the um, home builders and the commercial clients. So we have from big customers to small customers. Um, and they, they, they're wanting either energy reviews or stormwater or something like that. And, and how many employees do you have? What, what size operation are y'all? Well, right now we have about 10 employees. And then, uh, and of course, I, I don't know if we're going to get into that, but eventually when we get the tire facility, uh, we'll probably be ramping up quite a bit and double our employee number. I do want to ask you about that in a minute. What about you, Scott? How many? How big is Clegg's now? Well, we probably have about 80 people on payroll right now. And as spring comes in, we'll ramp up. Uh, we'll have uh, over 100 and, and as we alluded to a few minutes ago at the introduction, COVID was, you you were one of the businesses that really did well with COVID. Yes, it, um, it helped out our, our business quite a bit. Uh, you know, you get sometimes, or I get sometimes that guilty feeling, other people having such a hard time losing their jobs, losing their businesses, but with so many people at home and free time and uh, you know, just trying to stay busy. So many people were in their yard gardening. Uh, they were doing flowers. They were planting trees. They were uh, sometimes redoing the house and then having to, to replant around the house. Uh, vegetable gardens, vegetable gardening. Uh, I've never seen the request for vegetable material as we had had last year. It's just crazy. So how did, and this isn't to pick on clakes, how did the, you know, nurseries manage to stay open under the, the, the first restrictive executive orders? How did y'all qualify as an essential business, I guess? Well, we sell uh, vegetable plants, transplants, okay. and seeds. And uh, Clegg's is also a True Value hardware store affiliate. So uh, we have home repair materials. So that, that got us in uh, with an open door. And that probably helped. It did. It did. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, people, I, I had people questioning whether we were, um, you know, necessary or not. But uh, some people, I cannot tell you how many people came in and said that this was their mental uh, stimulation and their, and their relief factor to come in, get some flowers, go home and work in the yard. That was their, uh, their relief of all the mental stress from the COVID. So, Yes. So there was a behavioral health yes. component to, to, to the, that's great. Diane. Yeah. So you mentioned the tire shredder and, and I think a lot of people that had perhaps never heard of Balm in Baton Rouge before, all of a sudden you were all over the headlines last year because of, of this, you know, issue and you were going to get a contract with the city to, to do the tire shredder and then the city messed up, but you're going to move forward operating a tire shredder anyway, right? Right. We just got our administratively complete on our uh, permit for the scrap tire. We purchased a facility at 100 Springfield Road in North Baton Rouge. Um, it's right. It's a large warehouse building on the left-hand side of Highway 61, right before it splits to 964 and 61 keeps going. And uh, that's 100,000 square feet uh, under roof warehouse space will allow us to have a shredder and start uh, production of um waste tires into products. Well, that's fantastic. And then this will help reduce the, the, you know, number of, of, you know, abandoned waste tires that contribute to blight and mosquitoes and everything else. 
Slowly, hopefully slowly, but surely uh, first, uh, you know, your business model has to um, take, there is a sort of a, um, an education level that we have to give a lot of people because there's two types of tires in Louisiana. There's eligible tires and ineligible tires. And eligible tires are the ones that when you go to a tire repair store and you change your tires out, you see on your invoice where you pay this DEQ recycling fee, which is just $2.25. That goes into an escrow fund, which goes into DEQ. Those tires that I pick up from a retail tire store or Sam's or whatever it may be, we get money for that to recycle that. The tires that are sort of abandoned, thrown on the road and in ditches and everything, those are called ineligible tires. DEQ will not reimburse us for us. So that's why it's always been a problem with the current scrap tires because they don't want to pick those up because they never get reimbursed from it, from DEQ to process it. So since the other tire processors in the state really don't have an end product, they really don't have something to produce out of it, they can't make any money off of it. So it's a, it's a loss. If they pick it up, they, have, they can't do anything with it. So we'll be able to pick up those tires because we'll be able to actually use those in a product and we can make our money off of the back end rather than the front end. And that's always been the problem with tires. Why you see tires everywhere is because ineligible tires are the ones that cause problems. And those are generally from people who, and it's not just from your guy who just, you know, throws his tires. It's usually, I mean, and I don't want to point the finger at all used tire stores, but used tires are a big thing. You know, not everybody can afford hundred dollar a tire, you know, so they resell tires that have good tread on them and they resell them uh, at to uh, markets that for affordability for some people. And then at the end of their life cycle, that's not tied to a $2.25. So instead of paying to get rid of it, they'll dump it. And that's normally what's done. And, you know, people and the landfill doesn't want to take it. Nobody wants to take it. And so it just winds up just accumulating. And uh, that's, sort of been the problem that's need to be solved is how to find a route for those ineligible tires. Everybody will come, the current process will come get the eligible tires because they'll get paid for it. But what do we do with the tires that nobody wants or DT won't reimburse you for? Well, that is going to keep you busy, I know, in the, in the new year. And uh, we will look forward to hearing more about it. Scott, what's on your plate for, the, for 2021? Well, we are uh, already engaged in trying to prep ourselves for the spring and rest of the year for 2021. Uh, my business partner, Tom, is working uh, lots of hours trying to find material. The demand for plant materials last year was so high that they oversold uh, their materials. And so coming into the new year, some items are not as available as before. Um, we are lucky with Clegg's. We have a lot of surplus area. Tom's out on the road right now trying to find and buy these items so that we have plenty to get through our season. Uh, Color Division is uh, loading up with plants, starting their first crops so that they'll be ready in time. And everybody else at the retail stores is just trying to get things tidied up and clean up the mess that we've push to the side the last time we were busy. Well, Scott Ricca and Diane Baum, you both are making Baton Rouge and Louisiana a more beautiful place to be and a healthier place to live. It's encouraging to know that you both have so much experience in your respective fields and are bringing a level of expertise to your businesses. It's been a pleasure to hear your stories. Thanks so much for being with me today and for taking time to be on Out to Lunch. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you so much. 
My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Diane Baum of Baum Environmental and Scott Ricca of Clegg's Nursery. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on WRKF. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Baum Environmental and Clegg's Nursery by listening to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, it's batonrouge.la. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge social media. Photos are taken by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. We're going to go back to hosting Out to Lunch around the lunch table at Mansur's on the Boulevard one day. In the meantime, you can go there. Mansur's is open seven days a week for lunch and dinner. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino, Dave Winwood, and Ann Edelman. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.